Hello and welcome to this podcast which we're going to be exploring fantastic work going on between care homes and primary care. Having that PCN link into the vaccinations has really helped I think in getting the majority of our care home residents vaccinated. I felt really kind of a few years ago that as a GP who was going into a care home I felt very much on my own with that kind of task if you like. It seemed a bit lonely. What I've felt over the last six months to a year has been it's been such a fantastic opportunity to look at it with a different pair of eyes. Where we all sit down health, social care, all the voluntary services, we now sit down once a month because of Covid, because of getting the vaccination programme out to the most vulnerable. We all talk to each other and we're not going to lose that. That's something that we're going to keep because of that collaboration, because we are PCMs and we can talk to the right people now. My name is Dr. Adrian Hayter. I'm a GP partner here at the Runnymede Medical Practice, which is in the Windsor Primary Care Network, PCN for short. I'm also the National Clinical Director for Older People and Integrated Person-Centred Care at NHS England and NHS Improvement. Carol. Hi, I'm Carol Phillips. I'm an advanced nurse practitioner and clinical director at Brunel Health PCN, which is in Portsmouth. I'm one of 16 nurse clinical directors. Firstly, I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. Carol, you'd agree that we are a little bit busy at the moment trying to um, do multitasking across many different areas. We wanted to kind of think about some of the success stories which have been happening up and down the country in terms of how care homes and primary care have really started to work together in a different way. Some of the stories around patients, some examples of the practice that's been going on and how those examples are spreading across the country. Firstly, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an idea around the work that I've been doing. And I've been a GP for the last 25 years. And a lot of my work as a GP has been working with care homes. So over the last 25 years, we've seen the NHS change dramatically in the way that people have been supported and cared for. We know that people are living 10 or so more years than when I first started in my career. So we're seeing many more older people who are living and being supported in residential and nursing care. And I think this has given us some opportunity to think really about how we work together in a different way to be able to support those most vulnerable residents. And I think their needs are very specific to them as individuals and in the NHS, with the thinking around the long-term plan, we had a, a reset, if you like, of how we want to do things. And really, in terms of people who are most vulnerable and older people who are most vulnerable, we had an opportunity to really think about their care in a different way. And really, out of that came the Enhanced Health in Care Homes, one of three big programmes for the Ageing Well programme, which has been part of NHS England um, and NHS Improvements, big programs to be able to think about how we care for people in a different way. So Carol, I'm sure you're going to be kind of giving us a view from what it's like in these new networks which have been developed and give us a flavour of how you've become involved and um, what you've been doing and what you've been up to in your primary care network. Thanks Adrian. So I'm a nurse by background, as I said, I'm one of 16 nurses that have become clinical directors across the piece and NHS long-term plan has allowed nurses to get involved at that leadership level which we were never allowed to before not not allowed to that's the wrong word but never had the opportunity to you know nurses became partners in general practice 
nurses have done a lot of the changes that have been needed to look after our aging population. And actually our nurses are aging as we all are, aren't we? And for me to get involved at primary care level to work at collaboration, Portsmouth is a city of 210,000 patients. We've got five PCNs here and we work really in collaboration with each other and the Enhanced Health and Care Home Project, which we're gonna go on and talk about, has been an absolute eye opener about collaboration, how we work together. And through COVID, this has developed such a collaboration that probably wouldn't have happened before, you know, when we were just general practice. Being a clinical lead in general practice, you didn't get to see the strategic level stuff that's going on now. And as a clinical director for the last 18 months, it's been amazing the journey that we've been on and how well we work together, you know, not just general practitioners, but having clinical pharmacists, you know, having having these extra additional roles that we never had before. It's amazing. And for me, Adrian, it's, it's been brilliant. But our population is very much aging and our PCN has a high percentage of an aging population. And of our four practices, we've got two practices that have got a, probably 55 to 60% of over 55 which you know yourself that aging population we have a transient population so the enhanced health care home project for me is right at the heart of everything that we do it's a really interesting point you're saying around just not only primary care networks as a group of practices kind of collaborating together but actually the primary care networks collaborating together as well and I think that I think that's a really key point in terms of if you've got the mature networks to be able to work together at scale where it's necessary and also then to drive down and to work kind of in your own networks. I think that's really kind of improved, I suppose, how we do things. I just wonder how things were before COVID. If we can kind of think back a year or two. What were the kinds of things that I suppose, um, in terms of the practices, in terms of the populations that people were thinking about and the opportunities that we were looking for? Before we became a full PCN, there's two practices that are university practices, the, the practices that are traditional general practices. So my practice was one of those two university practices. And we didn't really initially have any you know, people with long term conditions per se. We had diabetes. But actually, as we came out of the university umbrella and started to spread our wings, we were getting more and more people with long-term conditions, with comorbidities. And we really didn't have the expertise to look after these people properly. And so we did a lot of sexual health, a lot of mental health, but very little around coronary heart disease, atrial fibrillation, stuff like that. So before PCNs had started, we'd already started looking for partners to do some partner working so we could share across the city. And then when PCNs came in, that was an ideal opportunity for us to actually work together and to bring our expertise together, to be able to deliver these services across the PCN. Mm. And with the care homes in particular, you can imagine a daily visit for one of our practices who is at the other end of the city, their visits, they were going into four or five care homes a day. And then when we started to work at PCN level, we realized that we we're all going into these practices four or five times a day. And the care homes quite rightly didn't know what to do. So we'd already started looking at a project around telehealth so that they had one provider for those urgent calls. Mm. So we'd already started that project before we started the enhanced care home. So we'd already got a base of urgent care for care homes. So they didn't have to call six or seven different practices to visit people that were already going in. It's really kind of simplifying things for actual 
care homes by actually making it easier, giving them one number to call, aligning kind of groups of practices so that actually there was a relationship there to be able to support those residents. In terms of kind of my own patch, what we didn't have was those connection between practices. We didn't talk to each other. What I saw as the real opportunity was for us to be able to talk together and give a more equitable kind of service and and say, this is how we're going to support you. And also the real benefit was we having those relationships and those structures like the care homes group who regularly met. So we were able to feed into some of those structures as a PCN and as a group of practices, we were able to have kind of one conversation about how we were going to do things. I think the other thing that you touched on was about workforce, wasn't it? I felt really kind of a few years ago that as a GP who had an interest in care homes and was going into a care home to to kind of support that care home, I felt very much on my own with that kind of task, if you like. It seemed a bit lonely. What I've felt over the last six months to a year has been with the additional roles which have come with PCNs. It's been such a fantastic opportunity to look at things with different lenses, with a look at it with a different pair of eyes. And, you know, the, the pharmacist, for example, who comes to our practice, a pharmacist called Nakiba, who's spent a lot of their time in the community, working as a community pharmacist with great skills, actually, around medicines management. And the primary care network have invested in her in terms of training, support and education. And what we now have is um, somebody who's really an expert at kind of looking at medications, sorting some of the issues out, and actually having that fresh pair of eyes has been a real revelation and a real support. And she joins in the care home rounds and she's doing these things called structured medication reviews, which is a really in-depth review, which actually just the time and the effort and the expertise to do that structured medication review really brings a benefit to sorting patients out, making sure that they're on the right medications, they're taking it in the right kind of way, and actually it's leading to improved use of medication for those residents in care homes. So I don't know, but in your patch... So we've got a care home team that we put together from the pilot because, you know, it used to be disjointed before, didn't it? You'd have a GP here and a care coordinator there, and see what we've done, we've decided to align all the care homes to a PCN. Generally, we've got a GP that's dedicated that we pay for out the PCN. We've got nurses that are dedicated to the team. And we've got, we've actually had a training team that go out to the care homes and train them in simple stuff like doing observations. I think such and such has got a temperature. Well, have they actually got a temperature? You know, carers are not nurses, are they, in the care homes? But also one of the biggest additional roles that's helped us is the care coordinator. Yes. Actually, they have helped us tremendously in actually saying, well, actually, that person is no longer registered at that practice or they've moved or and then talking to the pharmacist and the farm techs as well, which I think is amazing working with partners. And I think that's the, the flexibility of PCN is that we can use some of that additional well money specifically for this, you know, the enhanced health. And it's just amazing. And having that partnership and working with the care home providers, working with the council, you know, Portsmouth City Council have come on leaps and bounds. That, that collaboration with them has been amazing. And having that care coordinator with the pharmacist and the farm tech has actually helped develop that pilot study into a full-blown enhanced care home team. 
how are the staff feeling about it? Our additional roles are amazing. So we've got social prescribers, we've got care coordinators, we've got pharmacists, and they, they really love being part of a primary care network. They like the freedom to go to the care homes, to be part of the care home, enhanced care home team. And they really, really enjoy being part of a primary care network and not, not confined to being just in one practice particularly with forward practices, but across the city as well. Yeah, and I, th I think um, in terms of um, the staff are really kind of getting involved in a primary care, in really understanding what primary care is about. And for them, as I described with Nikiba, she really is looking at it from an understanding of the patient record, all the, the wealth of kind of general practice records, if you like, to be able to do that. The ability to audit and to, to kind of see what we're doing in practice and to be able to use the tools that we've got in general practice to be able to support residents in care homes like the electronic prescribing. And I know that she's getting involved in supporting the proxy access, which is a, which is a new thing. So really kind of involved in really understanding the benefits from a primary care perspective. The other benefit has actually been also we've started to work with our local community provider and be able to have a much more integrated kind of discussion. We have now an integrated care team meeting just for care homes across our patch. Mm -hmm. And there we have some support from kind of our social care colleagues. And we bring the cases, the care homes and, and, and the GPs bring the cases to this kind of integrated team. We've actually had some real benefit in terms of kind of thoughts that that team can have as a whole about an individual, making it much more personal to that individual's care. It's worked well with the vaccinations, though. I think that having that care coordinator, having that PCN link into the vaccinations has really helped, I think, in getting the majority of our care home residents vaccinated. And I think one of the things that's helped us is having that alignment. So we've had a GP practice or a PCN practice aligned to the, the care homes. And so that's how we've managed to get the majority of our residents and our care home individuals vaccinated so quickly because we didn't have to do it itty bitty. We did a care home and obviously, you know, each of the PCNs, the five PCNs had two or three care homes that they looked after. And so that vaccination programme meant that they were done and dusted. You know, for me, it's just been amazing. And, you know, um, I've been supporting that vaccination team. And, you know, when the first vaccine arrived in this country and we were all worried about it because it was really designed for mass vaccination sites and actually how are we going to get it into the care homes and through working as we did with the seven run-through sites across the country we kind of chose seven sites across the country the ones who were in the first wave to receive the vaccine at each of the sites some fantastic working in those run-through sites demonstrated to me the power of how when care homes actually get together with professionals and there's a mission to undertake we can really get that mission done and done in the best possible way through good communication. And it's not the NHS saying to care homes, this is what you have to do. It's actually this two-way conversation. And to be able to roll that out and deliver that all by the end of January, which really was the, the mission, has been a real testament to the communication. I just say going into care homes and look at, you know, actually the, the care managers, you know, the ones that really don't generally get involved on you know they're so excited to be actually go down and be involved you know be part of that process and I think that and that that collaboration that we've had with them you know we did a bit of training beforehand before we got the vaccine so we went in 
um, uh, and just said, you know, this is what we'd expect. This is how we would do it. What do you think would this work? You know, looking at the, the care homes and say, well, actually, you've got residents upstairs. How are you going to bring them down? Well, you don't have to bring them down. Well, you know, we'll work something out between mm. us. And that collaboration and actually, you know, talking to the families. There was one of one of the care homes that one of my colleagues did that actually got some of the families on the Zoom call because they were worried about their, their residents and their, their family. And, you know, we sat down and did a little script, you know, this is what to expect, this is how it'll look. And we got the care home manager and the clinical lead for that day to just sit down with his family. And just doing that, we would never have been able to do that before. And I know that COVID has been quite a lot of work, but actually... I wouldn't want to go back now to not talking to them. So you were saying you had a call with your integrated care home teams. Mm. We have something called PPE, which is Portsmouth Partnership, where we all sit down, health, social care, all the voluntary services. We now sit down once a month because of COVID, because of getting the vaccination programme out to the most vulnerable. We all talk to each other and we're not going to lose that. That's something that we're going to keep because of that collaboration, because we are PCN CDs and we can talk to the right people now. We have been in the early days of primary care networks and I think this is part of the many things that primary care networks are, are, are delivering. Also shows us the place that primary care networks have within integrated care systems. I just wondered, Kel, just your thoughts on kind of how primary care networks are thinking about their place within integrated care systems and how, in terms of the relationships that we've been talking about, how you're developing as groups of primary care networks, a place and a voice within integrated care systems. I think because of COVID, we have been talking at that ICS level, haven't we? So we, the PCN clinical directors in Portsmouth, but we have stepped up from CCG level to actually STP and ICS level. So we talk to the hospitals now, we talk to Hampshire hospitals, we talk to Portsmouth hospital units. So the COVID at home, the oximetry monitoring, all of that, the long COVID, those conversations that we've had all throughout COVID are going on because we need to be in partnership with the hospital, with the secondary care, with tertiary care, with the alliances. It has to be done at ICS level because that's where the strategy goes. We still need our PCN local levels, but we've got to be involved in those conversations higher up. And I think the greatest thing that we can take from those conversations is that we have all worked collaboratively. Mm-hmm. And if we can do it in a pandemic, then surely normal practice, we should be able to do that. You know, setting up uh, emergency hubs for scans in Gosport War Memorial because they were so behind. The PCN over in, in Gosport said, OK, We'll set that up for you. Come on, walk over here. And, and because we had those conversations at the ICS STP level, we were able to do that and able to support that. So, Carol, just in terms of the primary care network, you, you're a clinical director of, uh, of a primary care network. And I know that your colleagues in other primary care networks also have been thinking about the development and their development and what the needs are. And as a group, you're supported by the NHS Confederation but what are the kinds of things that you are thinking of to be able to support you in having a, a bigger voice within an integrated care system, to be able to really kind of work fleet of foot, like you were just describing, in terms of being able to deliver care in a different way when needed to help solve some of the, the long-term issues that sometimes care systems have always had? So the NHS Confed have been really good from two points of view, really, for me. As a CD nurse, we've got a group 
through Confed that's been supported for leadership and development and some mindfulness to keep us sane. But as a PCN, they've actually helped to take some of those anxiousness and thoughts and feelings that we can't always express at certain meetings and gathered that and taken that back for us at NHS England. But I think in terms of getting us and what we need to develop into the ICS is to make sure that they do continue to allow the ICSs to let us on board because sometimes we'll get pushback and you know there are some projects that are going on they go, oh we don't need you just at the moment or you know it's just not relevant for you at the minute but actually we should be there on the ground floor because at the end of the day we're all dealing with the same individual we're all trying to provide care for the same individual and we should be doing that across the ICS level and because we are working frontline we have more of an idea of what's going on and I think the confed actually take back some of our concerns to NHS England and it's having those big hands around you so that you can say, look, hang on a minute, this is my population. I don't always know what's best for them, but actually I'm a bit closer to them than you are. So please let me in these conversations. That population health intelligence, I think, we know on the ground that our, we, we understand our population, but we also need some support to really understand the data and the intelligence around that population. Then we can build on that and actually use that within an ICS. So I think I think there's a really good point there around kind of how we use the knowledge of our patients and our residents in a particular area, but actually have the data to back that up and then be able to use it in a way that can support particular programs within an integrated care system. The other thing that I wanted to touch on, Carol, was this thought around leadership. And actually, as you so, so rightly say, leadership comes from within all disciplines of the NHS now. And one of the great things that's been happening, I think, with primary care networks is the number of different leaders. It's not just GPs. And I just wonder from your experience, you know, you've got um, we've got pharmacists who have taken a huge lead and really kind of, you know, through especially through the through the vaccination program, but really important in supporting some of that. Can you just say? to me how people can find their way to becoming kind of a clinical director, how you managed to be able to have that voice within a primary care network. I think firstly, you need the mechanism and I think primary care networks are the mechanism because before primary care networks, nurses, paramedics, pharmacists, you got to a certain level, you had to generally go into secondary care or go into one of the STPs or you know, CCG STP level, and you, you couldn't stay on the shop floor. Whereas now to be part of a PCN, you have to work in that area. So I think that's where the NHS long-term plan and the primary care networks are so brilliant because you have to work in that area to be able to be part of the leadership. So at the moment, we are working on an allied health professional leadership programme that you can do from our jobs in general practice or pharmacy, wherever you work. And leadership for me is about being passionate. And I think that the reason why I got this job is because I'm passionate about my patients. I'm passionate about the care, what goes on and governance. Good governance means that we can all develop together. And I know in our local area, we've got something called the Frimley Academy, where we've got leadership programmes, which we started four or five years ago. And many of those leadership programmes have had clinical directors who have kind of been on that journey of understanding health and care, what it means to be within an ICS and actually being able to then go on to have the ongoing support to be able to lead their PCN. 
We have some great leadership. We've had to have that great leadership really from an early stage in terms of primary care networks and people like yourself, Carol, who have that enthusiasm, that direction to be able to get those teams to do that, do the work. It's really come through in terms of the vaccination programme. Primary care networks have been front and centre of that vaccination programme and will be for some time to come, as well as delivering the normal work like the enhanced health and care homes, which has been starting to become embedded. So, Carol, I'm going to leave the last words to you as a primary care network director. What's your hope and ambition for the future? More collaboration, talk to each other. You're right, Adrian, it's the same population. Let's look after each other, let's look after them and let's do it together. Great. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you found it useful. You've had some ideas to take away with you and introduce into your own area collaborate, get in touch with other people. And if you want to find out more about the work that NHS England and NHS Improvement is doing in supporting primary care networks, then you can visit england.nhs.uk forward slash PCN. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. You've been listening to a podcast produced by Robert Mulligan for NHS England and NHS Improvements.